I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Vincent Varghese. He is the attending cardiac interventionalist and the director of the Interventional Cardiology Fellowship Program at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. And we are talking about mitral valve problems. So first, Dr. Varghese, if you would explain the function of the mitral valve. Well, the mitral valve is one of the four valves in our heart. It separates the left atrium and left ventricle. Essentially, like any valve, it should open to let blood move through it and then close to prevent any leakage of blood going backwards. And this is one of the four valves that's uh, very integral to the function and and normal function of your heart and often can be affected uh, with different disease states. The ways that a mitral valve might malfunction. The most common dysfunction we see nowadays is mitral valve regurgitation. And that is when the actual leaflets of the valve don't close properly for different reasons. That can actually cause um, a leakage or regurgitation of the valve where blood goes back into the left atrium of the heart, which is abnormal, and uh, can cause stress on the actual pump of the heart, the left ventricle. It can cause it to get weaker, get larger, and ultimately lead to symptoms like heart failure. So someone who has a severely uh, leaky valve or mitral regurgitation can have symptoms of swelling in their legs. They can be short of breath, either when they lay flat or when they walk. Their heart function, again, can, can drop down and be abnormally low. Those are the usual symptoms they have. So how does one diagnose a mitral valve issue? So a, a proper physical examination by a person's physician or cardiologist would help um, with the diagnosis. Also, an ultrasound of the heart called an echocardiogram would be able to visualize the mitral valve and uh, diagnose how leaky the mitral valve is. Is this a condition that uh, you can live with for some time? Is this ever something that's kind of a watchful waiting type of situation? Yes, to, to some degree. So people that may have a mildly leaky valve or a moderately leaky valve, oftentimes we'll, we'll follow them closely. We'll monitor them clinically just to see how they're feeling, but also with ultrasounds, maybe a few times a year to keep uh, an eye on the valve. If it ever becomes severely leaky, then we'll really keep a close eye on somebody if they don't have any symptoms. But once they start having symptoms, then we know it's time to do something. I guess I I should ask about complications of not treating, and I suppose basically the complication is you won't be with us that long. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, um, ultimately, uh, again, because the valve is so leaky and the amount of blood going forward uh, is a larger volume of blood that gives a lot of stress to the main pumping chamber of the heart, the left ventricle, that causes, again, symptoms of heart failure, but can also cause the pump to weaken. Um, And if we don't act soon to correct the leakiness, then It'll just be a spiral down where a patient will continue to not do well. Are there risk factors? Not really. We, we see young people that have severely leaky valves for different reasons. We see older patients that also have it. Certainly, uh, if you have heart disease and the degree of um, coronary arteries being diseased or the heart function itself being weak, that can lead to the valve being leaky as well. But young people can just have a problem with the valve itself. And so if there's a problem with the valve itself, that can also cause these symptoms. So there isn't effectively anything we can do to specifically protect the mitral valve or the valves in the heart. Not really. If there's a problem with the valve itself, then it's really something that we have to just watch very closely and treat if uh, the patient becomes symptomatic. All right. Then speaking of treating, what is the typical approach to solving a mitral valve problem? So in the patient or in the person who has a severely leaky valve, 
with clinical symptoms of heart failure, then the gold standard right now is still an open surgical repair of the valve or a replacement of the valve. And uh, a cardiothoracic surgeon, which we have here at the Borehart Lung Center, would be well-versed at understanding what is the better option as far as a repair of the valve or a replacement of the valve. And when you're talking about cardiothoracic surgery, you're talking about opening the sternum and a pretty lengthy recovery period. Yes. Yeah, it, it is an open-heart uh, surgery right now. They have other minimally invasive techniques uh, that surgery surgeons do perform, but in general now it's still an open-heart surgery. You mentioned minimally invasive. So what are the other options then? So we, we do have an option now referring to the MitroClip device, which is a device that was FDA approved in 2013 and has been used across the world even before then with over 30,000 implants. And what the MitroClip device is intended for is for patients that have severe mitral regurgitation. And specifically, it's indicated for patients who are not good operative candidates. So someone who may be too ill um, or too old to undergo an open-heart surgery repair, uh, they're possibly candidates for a MitraClip device. And what the clip actually is, is, is basically um, uh, almost like a, a clip that would approximate the uh, two leaflets of the mitral valve um, and almost form, uh, essentially form a, a double orifice of that area um, and reduce the amount of leakiness that's there. So it's a clip. Would you ever need to use more than one clip? That's a great question. So yes, sometimes we do uh, have to use more than one clip. Some people need two clips. It all depends on each individual patient. This is a procedure that is done under general anesthesia, but there is no open heart. There's no cutting of the sternum or anything like that. It's a procedure that's done from the groin and the vein. And going through the vein and the groin up to the heart is how we access the actual valve. It's done with an experienced echocardiographer, so someone who can image the actual valve while we're in there. That strong guides how we're directing the uh, device. And uh, we get real-time feedback also. So while we attach the device, we can see and judge if the leakiness is improved or not. And before we have to release the device, we can say we're happy with the position or we're not. And if we're not happy with the position, we can readjust the device and place another place. So how does the transcatheter mitroclip insertion experience differ from the other therapies to repair a, uh, a leaky mitral valve? This is definitely less invasive than, say, an open-heart surgical repair because um, open-heart surgery obviously involves opening someone's chest and going in to work on the mitral valve. Recovery is extensive, of course, and you have to be uh, a good candidate to have that done, someone who would be able to survive and recover from an open-heart surgery, which is a big deal. For a mitroclip procedure, uh, which, again, is specifically designed for patients who are high-risk for an open-heart surgery, recoveries much less because we go through the vein and the groin, and we can usually just hold pressure on that site, and people recover very well and go home in a few days. So if somebody has got a regurgitation issue and they come in and say, you know what, even if they are a surgery candidate, would handle the surgery well, could they say, I think I'd rather go with the transcatheter option, please? Not right now. No. Uh, right now, it's, it is only indicated for patients who are too high risk to undergo a surgical repair. Right now, the gold standard still remains an open, uh, well, a surgical repair of the mitral valve, whether it be repair or replacement, surgery is still the gold standard. But this option is a very useful option for patients who are not good candidates for surgery.
So surgery um, for mitral valve regurgitation involves um, an open um, exposure of a person's chest to look at the heart and the valve directly. Um, A surgeon would be able to judge whether he would be able to do some repair to the valve itself and keep person's own valve intact or whether the valve is so diseased it has to be removed and a new valve placed whether it's a a bioprosthetic valve a pig valve or cow valve or a uh, mechanical valve compared to a mitroclip device where there is no open surgical type of cutting of the chest it's all done through the vein in the groin from that access point we get into the heart implant this clip and and people do recovery very well I hate to use overuse the term game changer because, boy, it seems like in, in science tech and medical tech that that term is thrown around a lot. But MitraClip, when it was approved, is it a game changer? Yeah, I believe it is. I mean, because I think this was an option uh, for patients who had no good options. Um, we know that if we don't do something with the valve, replace it or repair it, um, these patients are not going to live very long and they'll have recurrent admissions into the hospital and heart failure, not have a very good life. This has proven to be a very useful technology in patients that don't have the option of surgery. So it's helped people improve their quality of life. They have less difficulty breathing, less swelling. They stay out of the hospital longer. Uh, So I think it's a useful therapy. So why come to Deborah to have your mitral valve issues resolved? I think we have a lot of experience from the valve standpoint. We're already doing the transcatheter aortic valve replacement. We have a lot of experience with that. Uh, We're doing a lot of other structural heart disease procedures here at the center. Uh, We work closely in coordination with our uh, surgical colleagues as well. So we have a dedicated structural valve clinic. We have dedicated meetings every week where we discuss patients specifically and see if they're a good candidate in trying to go therapy. So this is a natural transition for us to get involved in the mitral valve space. If you are interested in learning more about mitral valve therapies, how to get in touch with you at Deborah? They can go to our website, demanddeborah.org, and look up more information and see how to get plugged in. They can also call 1-800-555-1990 and ask for more information regarding MitraClip and mitral valve therapies.